0: Thank <laughs> you. Hey, this is Kate. Welcome to Two Pastors Take a Walk and Make a Podcast.
1: This is Yolando and as always we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we are preaching. I almost messed that up. I know.
0: (laughs) So what is astonishing you this week?
1: Well, last night um, I decided to pick up uh, a book that I've started and stopped and started and stopped several times. It's called Practicing the Power, Welcoming the Gifts of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. Now, just reading the title, it sounds like one of those um, super charismatic, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it kind of books. Um, (laughs) Blab
0: Blab it, it. grab it? You've never heard that before. That's great. Blab
1: (laughs) it, grab it? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, That goes way back. That was
0: good. Um,
1: It's written by Sam Storms. Uh, He serves a church in Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma City, maybe Tulsa. Uh, I really like him. He is both uh, reformed and charismatic. And uh, what astonishes me about this book, uh, last night I went back to the chapter on healing, is that it is so um, sober and simple. Mm -hmm. And um, it's not the uh, Benny Hinn name of, Charismatic type person right. on the one hand, nor is it a, you know, God doesn't do that kind of stuff right. anymore uh, kind of book, and it's 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 such a it's a sweet invitation to step into um, a faith that lets God be God, right? Yeah. So on the one hand, you pray for healing, trusting, knowing, believing that God can, but also you pray, trusting that God is sovereign and wise and good and. Um, and and you just trust.
0: And that God's will is good, even if it doesn't match your desire. Yes. I mean, I, I think what's so interesting about the way that, say, typical mainline Christians like Presbyterians mm-hmm. interact with the charismatic tradition is that to the extent that, quote, most Presbyterians have a problem with charismatics, it's not a theological problem. Uh, it's a culture and economic problem. I mean, the reality is... I aspire to be filled with mm-hmm, the spirit mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm, a charismatic mm-hmm. because what that is saying is ultimately I want to dwell fully in the realm of God yes. and not in the realm of this world. And I want to seek goodness and fullness in that realm and mm-hmm. not in this one. And I think the problem with with so many people's suspicions with charismatics and we lift up sort of the most egregious and outrageous mm-hmm, examples mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. excess but it's because we many of us do not desire to be filled with the spirit because mm. we're content you know with 3 dollars worth of god and you know the world as it is right now satisfies us and and we're seeking fill, fulfillment in it and so the idea of a whole other realm is offensive to us because we're satisfied yes. whereas you know people who are at the bottom being mm-hmm. crushed and destroyed and flattened by these systems you know are much more open to being dependent upon the spirit of God and the manifestations of God. And that's just, I mean, that's classic. That's the way it's Mm -hmm. been from Mm -hmm. the beginning. And so to the extent that we so casually and cruelly dismiss people who who want to be more and more full of God's presence, Mm -hmm. I mean, it just says so much about us.
1: Yeah. My takeaway, part of my takeaway last night was if I could, if I could say Something to our part of the body of Christ that is PCUSA congregations that are, let's say, center to left, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Would be two things. Number one, really be intentional about cultivating a culture of prayer. Mm -hmm. Because again, prayer is one of those things where you're saying, God, we believe you can, but we trust you to answer in a way that is good and wise and for our Mm -hmm. good and your glory. And the second thing would be just obey the simple things Scripture says to do in terms of healing. Just just anoint people with oil and ask God for healing and trust God. Just just do these simple things so that we're we're in this place where we're not relying on our own resources and agency. Right. We're trusting God, but also expecting God to show up from time to time or whenever it pleases God and just astound us with God's presence and power. And, um, well,
0: I mean, we know that God can be glorified in our strength and in our weakness. Absolutely. And so when we come to a place of crisis, whether that's health or financial or relational or whatever it is, to be able to say, I know that you can be faithful to me However, this turns out, and that your is grace
1: is sufficient. Because
0: right, and because I'm not, des- I'm not supposed to be more than a conqueror in the mm-hmm. sense that I'm even more awesome than all the other conquerors. Like that's not the realm that we are desiring mm-hmm. to live in. And so, if we don't want to pray, if we don't want to mm-hmm. be filled with the Spirit, then I would want to say we need to really soberly and bravely ask why is that yeah. and why am i want why am i drawn to something and at the same time pushing it mm. pushing it away and um cuz i think you know for a lot of people who are really uncomfortable with you know, the charismatic ideas of being filled with the spirit and with the ideas of god still moving in miraculous mm. ways i mean one of the reasons we we want to get rid of that is because i would rather keep my sense that, well, if God were doing those sorts of things, he would do them for me, but the, he's not, so I don't have them. Then to deal with the mystery of sometimes God mm-hmm. says no. Sometimes yeah. my idea of what is highest mm-hmm. is and best mm-hmm. is clearly not God's idea and be left with the mess of how do I continue on in relationship and still believe that God is good and God is powerful? Yeah. Like we want to avoid that theodicy question. And so mm-hmm. the way we do it mm-hmm. is basically to say, well, God is a, a watchmaker yeah. <laughs> or a philosophical yeah. ideals or, or a way that good people live. Mm-hmm. But there's no sort of living with God, intimacy with God, fullness with God here and now. That's for later. Yeah, that's and that good. lets me not have to have difficult theological mm-hmm you know, problems in my life now, which is a luxury that privileged people have. So that's enough of that
1: anyway. Well so. what is astonishing you?
0: Oh man, I it's been a rough week in Kate Murphy's world and I I mean what has been taking up most of the emotional energy in my life this week is not a happy place of astonishment. But I was telling you earlier, even though I forgot I told you, I that's I, not even that big of a deal, but like I over it the past It is a big deal. Well, over the past couple of months, I've been working to put together a grant for this um, pretty major ministry within our national denomination called the Self-Development of Peoples. And I, I was asked, um, invited kindly to do this by a, a leader um, who I respect, who I had gone to asking for help because we have these young men in our neighborhood who come to our church to play basketball in the afternoons. And it's during the time that we have our free after school program. And so when teenage boys come and say, can we be in the church? You find a way to say yes and open the doors. But it's very difficult because we don't have any supervision for them. Mm-hmm. And it's just not really a realistic expectation to expect a bunch of high school boys to self-police, although they've been doing a great job of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard and, um, and it's just not ideal because when young people present themselves to the church, regardless of how aware they are, I firmly believe that the spirit is drawing them in there and that we want to meet with them more than a physical need. So what I know that God desires for them, what I desire for them, what, what, what I think we're purposed to do is not just provide them a place to play basketball, but to, you know, take advantage of this opportunity to, to, to seed into them spiritually, right? Absolutely. And so I've known that since, I mean, I think this is like the third year we've done it. I've known that since the first day they started walking in and it's just been so frustrating to not have the resources to do that. And I've known particularly that these young men, you know, need to have older male Christian mentors and they are all, African American and Latino, and they really need to have older male Christian mm-hmm. mentors that look like them. And mm-hmm. while my congregation has, has, you know, really a lot um, of men who fit that category, they all have J O B S, right? Mm. Like they can't just, they can't just say, well, sorry, I'm not showing up for work between the hours of four and six. Cause I'm going to go mentor some kids like that's yeah. not possible. And that's the time frame when these kids are vulnerable, when they're showing up, when they're, you know, so just, I've been racking my brains and trying to figure out how to make this work for years. And then, um, earlier this year, there was a really tragic shooting in one of our local high schools. And it turns out that the young man, I think I've talked about this before, but the young man who was involved, um, actually had been at our church playing basketball the previous mm-hmm. year and then his family had moved, which happens a lot. I mean, there's just a lot of turnover and transience in our community. And it's just heartbreaking to me to know yeah. that this young man presented himself to yeah. our community. Mm-hmm. And and we, while we were able to welcome him, mm-hmm. we just weren't able to capitalize on this on this opportunity. And when he was in a really desperate, vulnerable place, you know, they're just, none of our numbers were in his cell phone. When he was seeking a solution, wow. he couldn't come to any of us. And that just is such a tragedy for me. And so I, I went to talk to some people, several people um, in our community to say like, hey, can you just help me come up with a funding so that I can hire someone to start a ministry with these young men? Because anyway, and the reality is like, you know, some people said, Yes. Some people said no, um, and this leader said, "You know, this is really should be funded by this SDOP grant, the Self Development of People grant. This is exactly what they want to do. It's wonderful. Write the grant." Now, I've written and been rejected for that grant before, and so I really felt that that was going to be a waste of time. But I also just understand how the game is played. That if I come and ask people for something and they say no do it this way, then I need to try to do it this way Mm -hmm. before I can say like, anyway, so wrote this grant, which honestly, like, I mean, didn't take me more than 12 hours, but it was 12 hours spread over whatever, six months, right? Because I had, you know, you have to get your documentation and get letters of recommendation and Mm -hmm. do the actual writing and proof it and get all your, you know, financial documents. It's just, I mean, it's work. It's work. And so then, you submit it and just immediately get a respi- reply back saying like, no, we can't fund this um, because it's for the church and you can't do it for the church. like And and the woman was very nice and clearly she doesn't make the rules and was saying like, if, if we were going to fund this, you would have to get the young men playing basketball. Like they would have to write the grant and it would have to be their organization and you'd have to get letters. I mean, so essentially she was telling me like, Like, you have to make the 15-year-old boys write this grant. And so my my issues are, one, for for a grant that is gets solicited nationally through our denomination every year and and celebrated like isn't this wonderful what we do mm-hmm. like the reality is this is not an accessible grant like if it's the self-development of people i don't know how quote the people <laughs> who are in need of self-developing are supposed to know that this money exists when it's tainted anytime a church is involved in the process right so a number one it just makes i think
1: mm-hmm. makes
0: us feel really good about ourselves I don't, you know, if I can't help these young men do this, then how is this really accessible to people? I mean, if somebody has enough agency to write a grant, then they're probably doing pretty okay. Mm -hmm. And I will give them that this is an atypical grant in the sense that it's a little simplified, but it's still a lot of work. But then B, I'm just like, why should 15-year-old boys in my neighborhood, given everything else that they're up against, why should they have to write a grant to get some mentoring. Like, why can't the church come alongside them and do that work for them? Like, 15-year-old boys living in South Charlotte don't have to write grants in order to get, you know? So, like, I just, it's this paternalism of, like, this is what's best, but you're not in communication with any of the people who are trying to do the work. And then the biggest kicker of it all to me is I am a, Presbyterian pastor struggling to do this work according to the values that my denomination self-professes all the time that they're about. And you have this whole like key arm of mission giving that you is explicitly designed under the assumption that your local churches are not, cannot, and should not be doing this work that you support. Right? So like, it's ridiculous for me as, as a Urban multicultural Presbyterian Church doing this work that the national denomination is celebrating in its annual meetings. Like we want to devote resources to to support vulnerable African American men and Black Lives Matter, and that's you know this is who we are as a denomination. And I'm like, hey, over here, here are some actual young black men who are actually caught up and crushed in these systems and powers and principalities, who are actively dying and being killed by gun violence. Can you please give me what is for me a lot of money not a lot of money for you like why like parts of this work are really hard Mm. and i don't mind the parts of the work that are really authentically hard it Mm. is worth it to be in relationship with people in this way but i just really resent and get worn down and bitter Mm. about the parts of this work that are hard, that don't need to be hard. I mean, this just Mm. doesn't need to be this hard. Mm -hmm. Like I've been trying to figure out how to make this happen for three years. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, and I'm tired of existing in some extent within a community that continually purports to have certain values, but refuses to pay for them, Mm -hmm. right? Like you can't say you care about this and then hand out $2,500 grants and pat yourself on the back and say, you're done. Like that is not what your value costs you. And so I just need some integrity Mm. and I'm tired of like eking along in this church Mm. that could do so much more with support that's not going to come from within this community and acting like like the amount of money a church has doesn't matter I mean it does Like, if a church is able to employ a staff member to have a full time youth pastor to build a youth program that makes a huge difference Mm -hmm. in the lives of the young people connected with that church Mm -hmm. and if you don't believe that's true then go take the line item for youth ministry out of your church budget Mm -hmm you know it's true mm-hmm. but my church doesn't get that luxury mm-hmm. and yet the kids that we are so honored to be community with are so much more in some physical ways so much more vulnerable and i just i just get weary by feeling yeah. like i don't we don't fit anywhere within this denomination because mm. we don't wow. you know because this denomination assumes that the typical Presbyterian church is big and rich and well-resourced. And therefore their way to participate is to give the money for other people to do the relational ministerial work. Mm -hmm. And that's not who we are. And it's never who we will be. And it's never who we want to be. Mm -hmm. And I just, whatever, like, let me just be clear in, in case I'm not talking about leaving the denomination. Like I'm not mad at the denomination. I just don't, I just get weary. And so, I mean, astonished, I I honestly, like the astonishment is I cannot believe, I mean, our church has many problems, but stupidity is not one of them. Mm -hmm. Like everyone is intelligent enough to know that this does not make sense. This system does not have integrity, particularly this one grant. It does not make Mm -hmm. sense to say we're going to collect money for the self-development of people, but those people can't be connected to the organization's for whom the money is collected, to whom, for whom the money, through whom the money is distributed, yeah. like how is that supposed to happen? It's a closed circle.
1: Well, that, that's the assumption that's made Ugh. that the people that are being developed, the assumption is they are not in, in
0: our communities. That's right, because the
1: people in our communities don't need to be developed. Right, so. and so the assumption is this can't be a grant for the church because the people who need the grant aren't would, in the church. Aren't, aren't in our. Churches. churches. Yeah. Right. And that's that's the disconnect.
0: Right. Just yeah. like I was telling you on the walk that we're we're thinking about whether we are and can and should and have the capacity to become a Loaves and Food, a Loaves and Fishes food pantry, which is a local agency because there's not a single one in our zip code, mm-hmm. which is surprising, shocking. But but I mean, there are tons of churches in our zip code that collect for Loaves and Fishes because what we want to do is collect the food for the people who need food and self-development and then we want to hand it over to an agency who will like you know codify that and check it and make it all decently and in order and we don't want the messy work of being in relationship with people who may not meet our emotional needs may not be grateful enough Mm -hmm. or may not be being helped in the way that we think they should be or whom knowing and loving would really force us to have really uncomfortable places of self-reckoning about how we live our lives and how we Use our resources. Like, we don't want that. We don't want to be in community with those people. Mm -hmm. We want to collect our spare cash Mm -hmm. and give it to them and then throw ourselves a banquet.
1: I was going to say help from a distance. Right.
0: Anyway, which is, you know, what Jesus was all about in the incarnation. Okay, I'm done. See, I'm done with that. I just, I don't, and I also just try really hard to be responsible for my own emotional energy because, you know, I have problems with integrity and I have problems with work ethic Mm -hmm. and I have like, I have problems. And so being mad at other people that doesn't, uh, you know, it's a red herring and I don't want to go down that road, but it's just also hard when I think like, I don't Mm -hmm. know how much of the struggle Mm -hmm. is. I need to work harder, work better work. And then how much of it is just, I can't, you know, this maybe is just where we're going to be,
1: um,
0: because of factors that are beyond my control. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how much emotional energy to devote to these larger relationships or when I should just, I mean, whatever, like, as my friend Eustacia Moffat Marshall said many, many, many years ago, like if you are waiting for help from the denomination, (laughs) like if your hope is in the denomination, you are in big trouble, which is the truest statement that has ever been truth. I mean, my help is in the Lord and Jesus is not mitigated by grant-making policies of the denomination, which has been good to me in lots of ways, but I just am tired and I'm mad I wasted all that time, and now I'm mad that i got to track down these kids and try to do it again for, I think, the same result.
1: Well, I wouldn't say your time was wasted. I totally Mm. get that that it's frustrating, it's unjust. Um, I don't know if I would say wasted. What you're talking about is really, really important, and I, I hope someone... <laughs> someone <laughs> hears this
0: no and says, the only reason i can well, talk about at, it is the, i'm not confident <laughs> that no one involved will be listening to this podcast the very to be least, offended. i'm
1: hopeful that if that particular group says okay we can't give this grant but this group over here this is what they do and i know you've already been told that
0: i know but i just like here's the thing the bottom line is like our communities, the biggest amount of resources that they invest is in us, right? Is in employing us and paying for our time. And so when I spend time writing a grant, then that's time. I mean, like, I arguably would have been much better off spending that time down there in the gym talking to those kids, even though I'm not ideally the person that I want to put them in contact with, right? Like, if I'm writing a grant, I'm not visiting somebody. I'm not working on a Bible study. I'm not, like, I'm not doing things that provide direct value to people Mm -hmm. in my congregation. Mm -hmm. And like... That's just—it's just so hard to do that calculus all the time mm-hmm. of like how much to invest, in what could be a payoff. Mm-hmm. But it—it's just hard. It's yeah. just a really yeah. hard thing to do. And I—I'm anyway. I'm done talking about that. What are you thinking about? <laughs> oh, I made him laugh. Sorry, friend. Uh, <laughs> oh, that, that was good. To have that radio was that—that—that no, right.
1: that, that was really good. Um, I watched a um, document documentary this morning um, called. American Gospel. Mm-hmm. I've seen it. Um, you know, things have come up on my YouTube. It's a... Um, it's a... It's a two and a half long documentary.
0: Two and a half hours?
1: Two and a half hours. And um, you can buy it on YouTube or rent it on... not. I mean iTunes or rent it. Uh, but there's a one hour free version uh, mm-hmm. on YouTube. And so I watched that this morning. And... You know me. I I love, and I know this is not your love, but I I love, you know, substitutionary atonement. I'm 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 just there. Um, but this 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 piece is really about uh, seeking to articulate the gospel in contrast um, to a prosperity gospel. Um, Works righteousness gospel, and it's just really good. Um, I don't know if I can say much more about it, but it's got What's me it think called? it's called the American Gospel, mm-hmm. and um, lots of good clips. Uh, from there's a, a, a nephew of Benny Hinn who was in the Benny Hinn movement, he was yeah. a part of it, and now he's left and he's serving some reformed church in California. But he says, Look, a lot of things my uncle did was. It was fake and we faked it and um and a lot of things you see on television all that is they they, they know they are are deceiving people and um i don't know I, I found it really helpful and it's 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 making me think about okay how do i articulate the gospel when people leave to write a church and s- if someone were to ask them what is the gospel what would they say um, and I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm pretty confident they would say something about Jesus died for my sins because they hear that from me regularly. But I'm not sure if they would say much more about that. I'm not sure if they would talk about uh, Jesus conquering powers and principalities. I'm not sure if they would talk about um, a coming new heaven and new earth, that, that the gospel is... Um, bigger than me and my relationship with
0: the gospel God. is not a consumer good. Exactly. Well I mean here's what's interesting about that and it dovetails into what I've been thinking about. I mean because I both I, I both care and don't care how people can articulate the gospel because because ultimately like all of those things are very true, but it doesn't matter if people say them until they know that they're true. And yes. that, and there's an extent to which we can and should, mm-hmm. obviously, think really deeply about the words that we use to mm-hmm. describe the word, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that matters, and and communication matters, and certainly matters that we speak the truth and not a lie, especially when that lie is for our own good, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. But I also just feel like, you know, what what is at the heart. I mean, the way is Jesus and not me. And Mm so, you know, coming into this community and being involved in the practices of faith, you know, the Holy Spirit leads people beyond their comfort zones into crisis. And that's where sometimes all of the words that have been floating around all these years, all of a sudden have this moment of clarifying meaning Mm -hmm. and people Mm -hmm. own it in certain ways. And so like, I'm not sure that anybody in any of our churches can talk about, you know, the gospel overcoming powers and principalities until they have experienced for mm-hmm. themselves mm-hmm. what those powers of principalities are, that they are irredeemably evil and mm-hmm. begun to seem a glimmer of the way that um, the gospel can overcome them, right? And mm-hmm. that's the sort of thing that we can, we can preach and we can say and we can teach mm-hmm. that doctrine, but it's just words until people have the gracious experience mm-hmm. of its reality, right? Which I have been reading um un uncharacteristically, a book by William Placker um called The Triune God. And you know me in theology, like that's Let's not see. normally where I go. Um, but I just felt like I I wanted to, you know, push myself and and I was intrigued. Well, A, I really like William Placker, um, who has gone to glory. Um, but this is an essay in post-liberal theology, which is what I really feel like I, I am. I mean, not that these categories matter, but I am. I'm a post liberal mm-hmm. person, right? And mm-hmm. so, just interesting. And he's talking a lot about. Well, it doesn't matter. But this. It, he's talking about Kierkegaard in this one section, um, and talking about how Kierkegaard really had this interesting problem, which I think we all have: is how do you introduce Christianity in Christendom? Like
1: mm-hmm. when you
0: are pastoring a group of people who understand themselves to be Christian who who understand that the way that they live and the nation in which they live is a Christian nation. So they, it's not a question of what I mean it's just who they are, right? Which which I mean was the problem that Jesus encountered, right? With Israel and the Pharisees and mm-hmm. and I think is the problem for for many of us who work I mean who work in America no matter what kind yep. of church you're in, there are going to be at least some people uh, whatever so i mean we have to reintroduce christianity to a lot of people who think they know what it is mm. either for good or ill mm-hmm. and reintroduce christianity to a lot of people who are absolutely certain that they are christian and and so sort of the shortcut we want to take is like if i can just figure out you know the prettiest most powerful precise mm. words and give them to you, mm-hmm. then you'll be right. Like, you'll mm-hmm. know what it really mm-hmm. is as mm-hmm. opposed to all of these false
1: mm-hmm. things
0: that you've incorporated. And, and you know, Kierkegaard is talking about how you can't just give people those words uh, that Christian faith has to be personalized. It has to be appropriated. There has to be an inwardness to it, which is mm-hmm. interesting because, I mean, he's saying... You have to be born again, right? Like that's exactly what he's saying, just not with Surprise. the words that would yeah. make him mm-hmm. sound poor mm-hmm. or uneducated, mm-hmm. right? But that's mm-hmm. what he's saying. Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you know, mm-hmm. you have to inwardly be transformed by that knowing. And that's not something you can figure out for yourself mm-hmm. or earn for yourself. You just, the wind blows where it blows, right. Right? right? And that's just, it is, and we're not in control of it. And And here's the quote from, from Placard. Faith has to impassion Christians, transform them and the way they live their lives. But, and then this is the Kierkegaard quote, that inwardness cannot be directly communicated. Um, You cannot give me faith by whispering the right answer so that I can properly repeat it to the teacher, right? So like this idea for us, like when I have faith in our communities is that Mm -hmm. God is in them and that in spite of our feebleness, Through our strengths, but also through our weaknesses, but mainly just through our sheer dogged foolishness of gathering together and doing these practices, sometimes very poorly. That the Holy Spirit, whatever that is in me that is true, Mm -hmm. that the Holy Spirit will lead other people to that truth or to the truth beyond that truth. But like, I'm not a mediator for other people's deepest transformative experiences of God in Christ. And those deepest transformative experiences of God in Christ are the only ones worth happening anyway, right? So yes, um, our
1: words matter. Yeah. Our words but, matter because truth matters.
0: I mean, we can't lie, but we also yes. can't feel like our words are the outer limits for other people's spiritual transformation, right? Yes. So either the Holy Spirit is with us in our work, mm-hmm. and if that is mm-hmm. true, then then we're gravy, right? And if the Holy Spirit is not with us in our work, then it doesn't matter anyway, right? It's all a big lie. And so I think just finding that balance of like, I'm not going to sit under the lemon tree and expect it to rain lemonade on me, but also like I'm, I, I want to have the courage and the joy to show up every day and do the work the best that I can, trusting that like, it's really not about me mm-hmm, or my mm-hmm, words, that mm-hmm, it's the inwardness mm-hmm, that matters. Mm-hmm. And that basically, I mean, one of the major things we can do for people in a Christian community is like, be brave enough to smash idols. Right. And risk the relationship enough to say, Mm -mm. yeah, that thing that you have put your trust in and had your faith in all those years. Like that was never, I don't, you know, I can't perfectly tell you what God is, Mm. but I can tell you for sure. It's not that. And that leads me since I've talked too much, but that's what I, what I am preaching about this weekend is um, we're doing the follow through. So we're talking about following Jesus through religion. So Mm. like, religion can lead us into an encounter with God. I believe in institutions. I believe in traditions uh, that they can be a conduit to encountering God, but then we got to move past them, right? That we don't worship worship. We worship God, right? I don't, you know, I, the word of God leads me to God, but it's not God. Mm. Right. Um, And so just this idea that, you know, the Pharisees invite Jesus to dinner and he refuses to participate in their ritual, purity, hand-washing rituals, because it's, because it's crap. <laughs> like they're doing it to, to encounter God and God is sitting at the table with them and, and saying like, Hey, all of these things that you're putting your faith in, that you're defining yourself by that you, mm-hmm. you say that th- these things are your God and, and that is blasphemy and I am your God. And I'm sitting right here and I got things to say about how, who you are on the inside. And, and that is a, you know, it's obviously a very destructive, moment yes (laughs) and jesus doesn't win friends and influence people but what he's doing very deliberately is destroying their religion and sooner or later all of our religion is going to be destroyed and we as pastors can just be able to say like hey but that's okay because we weren't here for religion we were here for god Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: and so we just trust that god is behind is behind those destroyed idols and traditions and um dashed illusions. So.
1: Yeah. I like what you said on the walk. Um, you said something like, um, Jesus is not a very good guest.
0: He's a bad <laughs> guest.
1: Cause, Cause when he shows up, he's, the he's host. the host and right. not the guest. And mm-hmm. so he's running the show.
0: Right. But we do, you know, when, if our faith is like this Dinner party at the center mm-hmm. of our lives. We we insist on wanting to invite Jesus to be a guest. To be
1: a guest. And the yes. reality
0: is, yes. you know, and and that I was reading some stuff this week about, like you got to be careful where you invite Jesus because mm. if you invite him in, he's taken over. Yeah. I mean, just one reason why I feel like that is why I feel some some comfort in like the paucity of our rituals and our worship is that the reality is people still have an opportunity. To, to reach for God, to say yes for God, to mm-hmm. make a decision mm-hmm. for God. And mm-hmm. whatever you think you're doing in that moment, like Jesus is going to come in and take over. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, you know, I don't trust myself. I don't trust you. I don't trust the people mm. in the pews. I don't trust our ministry, but I do trust Jesus's graciousness and mercy in coming in and taking over. No matter how uncomfortable that is, no matter how much we might wish to throw him back out again, like <laughs> I'm in now. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I, I'm not afraid of backsliding. Mm. I'm not a Baptist. Mm. Right. <laughs> not a Baptist. What are you preaching about this week?
1: We are preaching, uh, we're still in the series on core values. This week's core value is um, innovative service. And by service, we do not mean worship, we mean actually serving people. And so we're looking at Mark chapter 2, the story of the four friends carrying um, the paralyzed friend on a mat. And uh, Jesus is in Capernaum in the house. I think we assume that it's Peter's house. Um, and I, I love uh, the, the text says, and Jesus is, 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 is speaking the word to them. And so this house is packed because Jesus mm-hmm. is there and he's speaking the word to them. And uh, so these four friends can't get their paralyzed friend through the front door because there's so many people. And so what do they do? They climb up on the roof, they cut a hole. They drop their friend down. And uh, so I think the point on Sunday is just going to be, look, when you, when you, when we, not you, when we as a congregation love the people in our community enough to risk resources and reputation because we believe Jesus is what they need then um our serving them will be innovative. We'll we'll try things, we'll do new things, we'll we'll risk things, all for the sake of this love we feel for our community and this faith that we have in Jesus. Right
0: and the and the mm-hmm. faith is in Jesus, not in the people. Like I mean we talked on the walk yes. about like the passion has to be not to fix people mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. to get people to Jesus. Because you really authentically believe that Jesus is what people need. Mm-hmm. And I just think because your congregation right now is is still temporarily a lot of white presbyterians like mm-hmm. i think we we tend to take on more responsibility than we were ever asked mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. on and so one of the reasons that that we hesitate to risk real authentic diverse communities because we think like i know how to 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 be in relationship with people like me but risking relationships with people not like me. Like, I don't know how to have their backs. I don't know how to help them. I don't know how to whatever. And so to be able to say like the friends didn't do innovative service to heal him. They did innovative service to get him to Jesus. And the foolish thing we believe is that Jesus, this spiritual gift that we steward Mm. actually makes a difference Mm -hmm. that it's Mm -hmm. not pie in the sky. It's, it's transformative here and now in, in, in the only ways that matter. Mm. So that's, but we got to get there to feel like getting people to Jesus matters. And,
1: and that that reminds me I may just do a like a little a little run, this little thing in the in the preaching moment where I just highlight all of these these stories where people are just trying to get to Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Um guys daughter is sick, I just got to talk to mm-hmm. Jesus. The lepers shouting out to Jesus. Um yeah, all, all those things. Right, types. I mean, because
0: people want to get to Jesus when they're desperate and nothing in the world will help. And yeah. our problem is we are not always desperate and we always feel yes. like oh what i need to do is yeah. is help people in worldly ways yeah. because that would help them if i could yeah. just get that person a job or a house or a good education mm-hmm. and i mean i'm for all of that mm-hmm. but i mean the reality is we have to believe that the thing that makes a difference is transformative yeah. relationship
1: with jesus and part of what i want to share with our congregation is that you know we don't have to copy other churches we don't have to wait for the next book you know 12 steps to grow your church mm-hmm. is that if we have this sort of holy desperation to for, to get mm-hmm. the people in our community to Jesus that will create uh, an environment for creativity the holy spirit will say okay the door's packed do this over here
0: and the interesting thing for me is to wonder about because it's not in the text it's like those four friends like what had their relationship with Jesus been like you know i mean how mm-hmm. did they know i mean because i think that's the thing if you're casting the congregation in the role of the friends which mm-hmm. i think is great to be able to say like they knew something and they yeah. believed something mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if we don't know and believe that thing then we can't do this yeah. right and so to be able to i mean it's fair to say always you know we want to be an outwardly focused mm-hmm. congregation but i mean the thing that we have to offer the world is jesus and so mm-hmm. if that's not you know if, if we're not using we shouldn't be dealing and yeah. that's yeah and yeah. that's a, a thing probably a terrible metaphor for (laughs) take it back we need to quit